Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, man. There. Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, and look over there. Wow. Is that Ooh, culture? Uh, yes. Oh, goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong! Last culturistas calling. Yes, I know that is one voice. Do not adjust um, the settings on your devices. It is just me, Matt. Um, I'm going to explain why. So as you guys may know, if you have Instagram and are into that sort of thing, Bowen Yang is going to be taking a little bit of a break. And it is for good reason. Bowen has been sort of heroically spreading himself thin, being... Just the busiest person ever. He's literally flying to London to shoot Wicked. Back here to do episodes of the podcast. You know, SNL was in season all year. He was flying New York, London, back, forth. And he's expressed on the podcast over the past couple of months feeling, quite frankly, exhausted. And so my thing is, I am first and foremost his best friend. And I just want the best for him and for him to feel like he has energy and can feel good about coming to the podcast and doing this because this should be fun. And lately, I think he's just been feeling a little spread thin. So this is something that we have no qualms about saying, just take a fucking break. So I said to him, like, Take as much time as you need. Focus on getting to the end of Wicked. They have about a month more of shooting, probably about five more weeks of working. And he's going to focus on that and do that. And he has all of our support and obviously all of my support because I love my sister. And um, thanks, everyone, for reaching out and, you know, seeing if he's okay. Everything is going to be totally fine. He just needs some time and some space. We've also been doing a lot like, we hosted the Lost Culturistas Culture Awards, which was a big endeavor. We did Watch What Happens Live. We launched our merch. On top of him, again, flying back and forth to shoot Wicked and do all the things you do in life on top of all this other stuff. So it's just been going at a 10, 11, 12. And then it all culminated in the Kelly episode, which we put so much emotional energy into, as you saw, and was truly just a peak of the pod. And so now we're just going to take a second to just get our 
shit together and come back better than ever together for you guys. The readers, the kitties, the publicists, the finalists, because we love you and you deserve us at our best. And Bowen knows that. I am here, though, and the good news is I've actually turned it out with the guests that I'm going to be giving you, starting with today. So over the next month or so, like I said, it's just going to be me and the guests, but I do hope you'll still join me. The sounds of thousands of people turning off their podcasts. Just like, not this faggot. Not just this faggot. I'm done. Um, So basically, I just sort of put myself in the POV of someone who would be listening to just me. And I said, well, I got to give them someone who's 50,000 times the star. Just supernova energy. And that's why I sort of landed on my guest today. So here's the fucking deal. Here's the tea. If you're watching Glamorous on Netflix, you know what's good for you. You know that this show is giving you comedy. It's giving you a little bit of that soapy campiness. It's giving you a little bit of the throwback to the Ugly Betty vibes. It's giving you Devil Wears Prada energy. It's giving you Kim Cattrall in a return to television. We'll talk about that. It's giving you, get this, very queer cast, queer power. It's giving everything, but mostly it's giving you a star turn by Miss Benny, who is not just an actress, but a recording artist will get into it, an all-around powerhouse. I was lucky enough to guest star on the eighth episode, they call it 108 in the biz. I iconically portray the role of P-Town Tony, and uh, if you've watched the show, you know that I have two lines that get repeated many times. The words are not this. I like to think I turned it. We'll get into it. I can't wait to hear what my what my guest thinks of my performance as edited. It felt good on set, but we, you never know how it's going to come out in the edit, you know? But I just could not be more excited. This is a big day for Lost Culture. It's actually a long awaited day because even when I was on set, I was like, I can't wait to get this bitch on Lost Culture because I'm going to get into it with the bitch because let me tell you something. She turns opinions. We played the most intense game of star actress during oh a God. stop down we've ever heard. <laughs> we have to talk about that. We have to talk about that. Everyone, please welcome into your ears the star of Glamorous and so much more, Miss Benny. Oh my Did God. Did you hear that little crack in my voice? Miss Benny. That's a moment. That was so exciting. I'm also going through puberty, but in the opposite direction. So. Absolutely. If my voice starts to soften, my breasts get a little larger while we talk. Just know it's normal. <laughs> just understand. It's um, the waves. I have to say, that was really hilarious to watch. And I kind of started to fantasize as you were talking about being the only guest in this episode that you just never introduced me and you just did the podcast as normal. I know. I've just like realized like all the way through, like, hmm, maybe I actually kind of like this like Sex in the City Carrie Bradshaw podcast vibe. I can leave if you would like to do this alone. I understand. No. Yeah, you got all these great guests, but uh, the fans know what they want. I'm so excited you're here. I'm so excited to be here. I have like butterflies right now. Honestly, I was like, see if my sister's going to be away. I need someone that's going to give co-host energy. Yeah. And I I mean, I, we've known each other for, do you remember where we met? This is iconic. I actually wanted to ask you because in my mind, I've known you my whole life, but I know that there probably <laughs> was a way. moment. Yeah, It was the Betty Who concert at the Fonda. Oh my God, I'm going to pass out. It was the that same was, night that was I my started year dating the Fonda. Jared. The, your year of the Fonda? My year of the Fonda. I went to concerts like every three days at the Fonda. Tell me about some Fonda moments. I saw Iggy Azalea there by accident. Oh, Everyone, really? hold on. I'll explain. Yeah, like, <laughs> again, thousands more turn off their podcast. Right, right, right. Sorry, guys. I really... Bowen's coming back, I swear. But um, I was like passing the Fonda to do something else. And there was like... They had on the marquee that was Iggy Azalea. And I was like, what are the odds there's still tickets right now? And so I walked up while her show was going, got a ticket and went in. So shady that there were odds. You know... (laughs) 
<laughs> now that I'm telling the story, I'm realizing and, and maybe I, not. And I walked in and I had the best seat in the house. Yeah, it was just for me. It was so crazy. No, and I was gagged to find out that it was, at the time, I guess she was touring with Miss Vangie. Oh, And fun. so literally it was like Iggy would like do a song, then like Vangie would like do a bit. It was really an interesting take on like a comedy pop rap It was show. a hybrid show. Yeah, it was a hybrid show. And honestly, not far off from your shows. It, oh, it was yeah, probably not. Iggy Azalea, Miss Vangie, Matt Rogers, definitely the same world. I honestly could see that as as a headlining act. I would kill. The three of us. And I want you to dress in the same outfits that they wear, too. <laughs> Fighting over who goes last. Oh, my God. <laughs> I think I have some claim. None. Yeah. I mean, you probably all have the exact same pool of gay fans. <laughs> like, you Honestly, probably are performing to the same crowd. I'll be real. I did headline the Vonda two nights in a row. Hell yeah. Okay. And that was a good show, too. Thank you, boo. I want you to know that my best friend, who I don't think has ever met you, literally is constantly doing your Martha May song. Really? Yes. We. It's like a, such a recurring thing. The in hottest female up in Whoville. Yes, Ice Pussy on the Whoville Thriller. Thank like, you for remembering the lyrics. I I feel like I could channel you as I sing it. It's so funny. I had never heard it. I was like, when I saw the show, I was like talking you up so much, but fully was like, I haven't seen the show either. Hey, we and, don't know if it's good. So I was like, guys, my watch is hilarious crossing my fingers. <laughs> I and know. then you were so fucking funny. <laughs> and oh, specifically thanks, that song, I've always idolized Martha May. So I literally was like, Martha May is a moment in culture. Yeah, she got the jacuzzi running. She got the jacuzzi running. My thing is, like Martha May mm-hmm. that's the kind of person I want explored more and you've always said that and I've always said mm-hmm. that there's two characters in that show that I'm like what's their real story Martha yeah. May and Mrs. Claus they go right. untold the women women's stories matter women's Who stories said matter Reese Witherspoon right. women's stories matter yeah. they just do and we celebrate her. That's it, yeah. So Fonda Moments. You had Fonda Moments seeing Iggy Azalea. You had Fonda Moments seeing me years later. We met at the Betty Who concert. Yes. Betty Who, that was a great show too. What year was that? That was 2019. Okay, wow. That moment when you realize we actually have known each other for years. So it's crazy because in my brain, 2019 is, I think 2019 is my new 2007. Where I'm like, oh, oh that my was God. like two years ago, whatever. But like it was now four years ago. You know what? Is it because 2007 is was like a, mar- what you did that year mean for you? Oh, Hannah Montana. Okay, yeah. And like High School Musical and like Wizards of Waverly Place. (laughs) Yeah. What about you? I mean, I guess 2007 for me, that was 2008 or graduated high school. Okay. So actually, you know what? What really like dictates 2007, 2008 for me, which by the way, was a rough time for the queers. Right. Because this was like, I remember going into class. This is before Glee. This is before Glee. Right. Literally. (laughs) Yeah. Glee changed it all. PG. Glee, Glee. they say if there had been no Glee, Obama would have never said gay marriage should be. (laughs) I actually do believe that. Yeah. If Kurt hadn't sang Rose's turn, (laughs) Obama would not have blinked an eye. I will say people have been asking me all the time about um, like what gay representation made me. I like reference Glee and then I realize how kind of funny that is because when you look at Glee as like now, it's so funny to think that was like so, I remember crying watching the like first gay kiss on Glee and being like. Oh, absolutely. I watched it over and over and over. First of all, the first season of Glee, mm-hmm. well, let's say this, the first half of the first season of Glee. <laughs> You're like the first moment of the first season of Glee. <laughs> the first seconds of Glee. Like, <laughs> well, I literally say all the time, you know, Ryan Murphy, bitch could turn a pilot out. Yeah. Like some of the best pilots. And I remember watching Glee and genuinely feeling like really excited about what it was. And then like it got crazy. But I remember being like the kind of gay that at the time, I think it was like 2008, 2009, I think I was mm-hmm. still closeted when it started. 
And I was like, you still are. And I I remained closeted till just minutes ago. You don't have to talk about it. And I'm not ready. Okay. But I remember like when Kurt was being so gay, Mm -hmm. there was like a part of me that was like a little nervous about it. Like I remember when he sang Rose's turn, I was like, we can't. No, we can't do this. No, it's too much. I don't like it. Who let her do this? And it was not this thing of like, oh, fuck this show. I don't like it. I think it was genuinely like, I'm scared that he is out there doing this thing that I've only done in my bedroom because now everyone's going to know I deeply want to do that. Yeah. Like, we all wanted to sing Rose's turn. I talked about this the other day in some interview, but I was, like, talking specifically about Kurt. It was, like, it was just so funny because watching that, I remember being like, oh, my God, that's me. I love that. But then, like, looking around me and taking the temperature of the room, everyone was so critical yeah, of how, like, flamboyant he was. Yeah. And I remember at the time that was like one of my early memories of clocking that like, oh, y'all don't also want to be that. Right. So I should probably like take that in. Yeah. Um, and then I guess here I am now. Maybe someone's also seeing me do what I do and they're like scared. <laughs> no, but the thing is, like, I think it has changed so much because like that's what made Glee stand out so much. Because it's funny you say we think of Glee as being this groundbreaking thing. And then you go back and it's like essentially what two white gays singing Teenage Dream at right. each other. And we're like. Her, her, her. Now that's like a wintergreen commercial or whatever the fuck. <laughs> but back then it was like, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, I'm nervous, yeah. I'm nervous to the point where now here we are with Glamorous and it feels like, and I mean this in the most complimentary way, but it's like we're joining this workplace in process and we really don't question it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like the world is very saturated, um, but also grounded in that queerness. Yeah. And even in the very familiar elements, like, you know, you have Kim, who we all know from like, what was an iconic show, but what was one of the most white woman, straight woman shows of all time. And like, she comes from that and now here she is, but it all feels very like harmonious. So I wonder like, did it feel like normal and harmonious doing it? Because that would not have been the feeling like a while back doing that. Like you would have been looking over your shoulder, like at the crew, Mm -hmm. which is probably a lot of straights. You know what I mean? Like, because when I guessed it, it felt like that, but did it feel like that throughout? Well, it's interesting because, you know, we're like a workplace drama comedy and I'm just so used to, I'm sure you'll feel this too, but like when you've like guest starred on so many random shows as like the funny gay character, like Mm -hmm. you get really used to just being like, okay, I have to like carry so much right now. And like, I'm in a room full of straight actors who are like, it's really brave that you're doing what you're doing. Like it just doesn't, it feels like you're doing something so like specific. And then with this, like pretty much the whole cast and characters are queer. So there was this funny sense of like, we've never had that many gay people at a work environment before. Mm-hmm. So there was like sort of a talk on set of like, how do you conduct yourself when you feel like you're at the gay club, but you're not, you're actually at work. I know. <laughs> Isn't that funny? And I actually remember our episode 108, as they say in the biz, um, <laughs> it was so funny. Cause up to that point we had done such a good job of like clipping our language and like keeping it like understandable for the straight people. And the not crew. when Joel Kim and I came, no, as soon as we imported you and Joel, it was like, <laughs> there was no hope. I actually think the crew after that had such like, I remember the sound guy came up to us and asked me specifically what the word cunt meant in this context. <laughs> And I was like, I had to explain to him that I was like, no, no, no. Like, Matt calling me that is like actually the nicest thing <laughs> like, that Matt could do right when now. When I look at you splayed out on the ground, absolutely <laughs> slaying Selbach Tango, when I wave my finger at you and say the word cunt. Yeah. Like, it's not me saying the meanest thing we've ever heard. We were screaming heard. at the top of our lungs, like horrible homophobic slurs that could never be repeated <laughs> on air. It's like entirely, a, it's like, I love you. Yeah. It's like, you'll go home with a badge of honor. Yeah. That was such a fun time. That was the best. And then even thinking like, 
joke about the sound guy. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Just like the sound guy, we're mic'd. So we're mic'd and they hear everything. Yeah. And they do warn you about that, when, which is something you don't think about when you're like going on set to act like that you're mic'd and like there's a sound person or a poor sound mixers that can hear it all. Mm-hmm. The person that was like, privy to our conversation our game of star or actress we have to get into this oh god okay joel kim and i we love this game star actress and if you go way back on the podcast this game was introduced on lost cultures this years ago it was some episode where joel kim was guesting on and we just played this game for about 45 minutes (laughs) so we love to play this game we brought it to the set of glamorous because we're a bunch of fucking queers and what do (laughs) queers love to do during a stop down more than argue about whether jennifer garner is a star or an actress oh my god and so you could not wrap your mind around this i still kind of can't if you ask me to explain it right now i do it wrong probably so what is star or actress okay is it as a game? This is wrong. And this is what I got absolutely fucking crucified for. And I'm having Zayn on this podcast next week. And I remember you were having such a hard time. And Zayn at one point goes, well, when we think about it this hard, it's not fun anymore. (laughs) Well, I felt bad because I remember the crew was trying to like rally us to get ready for the next setup. But we weren't (laughs) done. We were like, no, Amanda Seyfried is a star. (laughs) (laughs) And for me, it was one of those things. So in my world... We use the word star to mean like that. That's like the best thing you could call somebody. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So if you're a star, that means like you can do all of it. You're, you're a great actress. You're a great performer. Like you are the it person. Great. While like an actress in my mind, to my understanding, was like that's all you'll ever do is you'll just be the girl who acts like you're not like a presence. You're just like on screen. But and you can correct me now. I found the understanding later to be that actually it's the other way. So basically, there's not a pejorative in being either. I, I mean, I can't. So if you are Jennifer Garner out uh-huh. there and I say Jennifer Garner is a star, not an actress, mm-hmm. and you and she takes offense to that, that's on her. Right. Because guess what? Being a star is like you said. It's huge. It's everything. Be, being a star is endorsements products uh-huh. selling tickets right. you know what i'm saying being a star is hitting the carpet I could cry right now you're giving such it's just so passionate well because i have conviction about yeah. it because i want to speak for people who might hear that they're a star and feel disappointed that they're not also a technician actress right. or a journeyman actor right 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 a star is that an actress is someone who comes in and is about the work and is always going to give you the take yeah. and is going to give you the performance but maybe you're not necessarily like the box office slam dunk. For example, right. like I'll okay. throw someone out there. Okay. And m- remember, it's hard to do this on this podcast now because the podcast has become more successful and I get a little nervous because then all of a sudden one day, and this is true, you hear that someone like major listens to the podcast and you're like, well, fuck, I hope I didn't call them a, Flop. <laughs> Do you think that any like female celebrities are listening to this this right now? And I know for being a like, fact oh, they please are. Please don't say me. <laughs> I know for a fact they are, and I'm going to keep their names out of it. Okay. But, okay. So let's do someone that I know is not listening. Okay. Juliana Margulies. Okay. Star or actress. I'm going to be honest. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I really, wanted, I really wanted okay. to do that bit where I was like, know? I don't. Okay, that's so funny. That Wait, is, give me what she's from. She's she, okay. I Am I gonna like slap is. my forehead? She was the star of ER. Oh, that I was not gonna know. I mean, yeah, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, wait, no, that was so stupid of me. Okay, how about this? No, this is a good one. Sydney Sweeney. Oh. Oh shit. 
My instinct is star. My instinct is star too. Oh my god, I'm so relieved. I can't believe my fucking gay ass just said Juliana Margulies to you. I can't believe you looked at me and thought <laughs> that was gonna be the first person I'd be like, oh, well, I have thoughts on this, so, honey. So, but get this: with Sydney Sweeney, uh-huh. I agree, it's star right. because you think of her and you think of persona, you of think of the Sydney Sweeneyness. Also, the name, like she has it in like lights. Yeah. But this is where we got fucked up when we were filming. Is that I? I think the name that came up that threw us for a loop was Kate Blanchett. Because in my world, Kay Blanchett is like star of everything. Where it's like she has power to be all of it. Mm -hmm. But I remember the people in the room were saying like actress in the way that she's like making notes next to every single word on a page, right? And so I was like mind blown at trying to wrap my head around this game. And I remember specifically (laughs) that was the one that made us start fighting. (laughs) And that we started fighting and we're late to set. Uh And it was a thing of like... Okay, now we've really made it. Yeah. Because now the queer <laughs> actors are truly running the set. We're beefing. They're too busy. They're beefing. They're too busy down in the basement in their like <laughs> fucking lingerie. We literally were in full drag. Like hooker clothes. <laughs> like literally. And by the way, I want to just specifically give you your props. When we were doing fittings for Cell Block Tango, I remember they, at least for me, they gave me a rack of like just like sex shop clothes and they were like pick whatever you want and so I was like oh this is so fun we're all gonna get to do our drag race mini challenge quick drag yes. like, and so I put together my little like Anna Sophia Rob Bob and was like so ready it. and then literally you showed up and like <laughs> How would you describe what you wore in the eighth uh, here, episode? Here's what I would describe my aesthetic as and I want to say my drag aesthetic is often this. Okay. Late 90s white girl R&B singer. That is exactly what I wanted to say, but I wanted you to like own up to it first. Like, like pink when she first came out. Like, Literally, some girls got the name. <laughs> God, there you go. Look that it was exactly what you gave. You also had that swish to your walk the whole way through. It was giving hoochie mama. I didn't even White know that wig R&B. was in the options. When they showed us all the wigs, that was not there. I, I believe you brought that. Well, first of all, I have like history with that kind of wig. That sort of like swoopy bang is uh-huh. something that I gravitate towards. That like feathery, like, yes. yeah. It's funny because like, I don't know, like growing up when you picture yourself in your geesh, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? When you see in your mind's eye the woman you are. Right. Like, I always thought, oh, I'll have really long blonde hair, like Cher and Clueless. You know what I mean? Like, that's my essence. Like, you know, popular girl. Meanwhile, you then get the opportunity to literally pick. And I'm like, I think I'm white girl, late 90s R&B singer with this swoopy bang. Absolutely. You're like presented with your like Pokemon (laughs) starter Pokemon. You're like, I guess I never thought of this until this moment because now that it's in front of me, nothing is clear. I didn't know I was Charmeleon. Yeah. Until I had the option to pick Charmeleon's heels. The only people on that lineup that I knew were like had a vision from the beginning of their life was Zayn wearing the like Fergie red curly hair and then Michael Sirozin wearing his like Madam Blueberry Bob with, by the way, that's not scripted that he was supposed to be like a secretary. He, <laughs> in the fitting, so... was like, do you have a little pair of glasses and a tiny little blouse? It's so funny that he would pick that. And like, he served it up, he too. Served, well, first of all, the gag is watching Michael Stu Rosen dance. The scariest moment of filming for me the entire five months we filmed was the two seconds we did choreo together. And by that, I mean we grabbed each other's arms and pulled each other back. And he literally, when I was doing that, he like came over and like pushed my shoulders and like twisted my body and was like, it was like Suspiria. He was like breaking my bones (laughs) to get into this position and I couldn't do it. I was like, you've been on Broadway. I I did like a church play when I was a kid where I wore like a little robe and was like, do not be afraid. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> so Michael Sue Rosen, iconically Chino in the West Side Story revival on Broadway, was twisting you into Suspiria uh-huh. Pretzel doing choreo and you were like, bitch. Yeah. This is not the way she dances. Well, I was also so freaked out because in that episode, my character Marco is supposed to win this like lip sync battle. But then like yes. everyone else in the number, all of y'all like have done musical theater. Like this is what you do. Girl, please. I'm the only one who hadn't. So I literally was like, oh my God, I have to actually like somehow turn this out. And they, they got me together. I'm proud of it. In the well, final. first of all, here's what I'll say. There was no question that you won. Okay. Uh, on set, being there, you won. For real. Oh my God. You had a close competition from Michael Surosen, who was doing like leaps and twirls. And By ma- the way, unchoreographed. He added those. He's insane. He's amazing. <laughs> yeah. No, I love him. I really do. <laughs> yeah. The problem is that I am so in love with him that I like know. when anyone else partakes in the love, I'm like, fuck off. Yeah, get away. I'm like, he's mine. He's one of those. Yeah. He's, you know what I always say about people who like, you ever meet someone and you say like, oh, that person's great. Like, they're kind of cool. And yeah. then someone goes, oh yeah, they tend to have that effect on people. Bitter. I'm always like, put those people in jail. I love that though. Like, of I, course. I love that. It's the same vibe to me as people who are like, oh my God, have, I just met this person. They're so nice. And they're like, oh my God, I've literally known them forever. Yeah. And you're like, oh, that's so cool. What do you know each other? You're like, literally, For, it's a long forever. story. It's such a long story. And like, there's so much history in the way they're saying you're it. Like, you're I like, I can't even like say it. Like, <laughs> no, I just so too much. Yeah. And the next time you see them together, that person like introduces themselves to them. <laughs> yeah. I was like, if you're someone who walks around in the world with the knowledge that you quote unquote have that effect on people, scary. you have to know that and understand yeah. you might be having people fall in love with you left and right. Yeah. And then meanwhile, the show comes out and what's happening in the gay group chat? Faggots are starting to say, I love that Michael Sue Rosen. They love And Michael. you do have that thing of like, well, back off. I do. <laughs> when it's also that I didn't, I, yeah, the, the thing is that I am exactly that person with Michael particularly. And what's crazy is we didn't, <laughs> chemistry read for the show like really we were supposed to chemistry read but things were moving fast and they were so confident with michael that they were like you're gonna have great chemistry and i was like he's so good and he's so good and then i was filming one day like at the very beginning of the show and i had like a couple hours to like go home which like never happens and so i took that opportunity and he met me for coffee and i remember the whole time i was talking to him i was like oh no I'm going to actually fall in love with you while I we're know. filming. That's a thing. It was like a big fear of mine and it, it happened. And um, I am still in love with him. If he's out there right now, Michael, just know it. And he is you. out there. I know he's one of those actresses that's going to be listening. Okay, ready? Michael Sudo's in Star Actress. Oh my God. Oh my God. He would want to be called an actress. He would. And we'll call you an actress. I kind of wanted to be bitchy and call him a star because I know he would call me as soon as he heard this. and be like, what the fuck was that about? <laughs> um, no, I, of course. Act- I mean, we have a scene. We have so many scenes in the show so where we're like we're supposed to be like really acting. And yeah. we did one where we we're supposed to be like screaming at each other. And I remember after the first take, I was like, oh, shit, you're actually like good. Yeah. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> I was I, like, how I, dare don't, you? Don't be all being all good. I was like, not you earnestly acting right now. Like, grow up. Not like, you earnestly <laughs> acting in the show. That's what you're paid to do. <laughs> not you being hired to act. <laughs> so I, I, to do it. I, I thought we were sort of doing this with a wink and a nudge. Yeah, I, was, I had this bit on set where um, <laughs> after like 10 takes and multiple coverages, I would look at everyone and be like, Guys, we should start doing, we should do good. We should do a good take. Do you guys want to see a good take? And I look at the crew and I would just be like, I'm going to do a good one. I'll do a good one this time. It was really, I wasn't, I also had this really fun bit that kind of bit me in the ass later, which is before every take with Michael and with a lot of the actors, but mainly Michael, I would like, as they're being like sound speeding, hammer speeding, I would literally look at him and be like, I think you have something on you. And actually, no, I'll just tell you after. Or like, right before I take, I'd be like, Michael, I'm, 
I just like I have to get off my chest. I'm really upset that you said this. Well, I'll tell you after this. Take. <laughs> or I'll be like, "Hey, Jordan, um, had a note for you. He didn't give it to you. Uh, he'll probably come up after. Yeah, like, he'll, he'll do, it, he'll do after. it after. Maybe after your coverage. And then Karma got its kiss for me because then uh, one time I was filming with Kim, and we had our like comfort shoes because if our feet weren't in it, we were like, why not wear Crocs and shit? And so. Uh-huh. I remember I was wearing like these platform purple Crocs with like butterfly little like whatever those like sticker things are. Yeah, yeah, those little embellishments. I forget what they're called. They have a funny, quirky, cute. Like little they're name. called like Pogs or something. What are the What are those that called? What are those? We could I almost just turned to my engineer Doug and like asked <laughs> him like, if he knew what it gibbets. What, what gibbets? They're gibbets. D- D- Doug, would you have known what a gibbet was in a Croc shoe? Absolutely not. Okay. Okay. Well, then the listeners at home, you can imagine. But anyway, so Kim, right before a take where we're supposed to have like this inspirational speech with each other, she just like looked down at my feet, saw the Crocs and laughed. (laughs) And then it was like action. And I was like, Kim Cattrall just laughed at my feet. Just laughed at my shoes. She like did like a full like take of my body, saw my feet and laughed. And I was like, I think I get to go to gay heaven now. I think that's what this moment means. Oh my God. Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes. That it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., we dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. 
I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to, to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Were you gagged when you found out that Glamorous was going to premiere the same day as and just like that? And, yes. do you, and do you think it was planned? Okay, so I'm speaking from the place of no authority. Like, no one communicated with me. I don't know this to be fact. I do believe it is true. I mean, come on. Because why not? I mean, I can't imagine anyone in the planning of that was like, oh, we had no... What, yeah, can you what are imagine? The well, and I will say, I know that we were... The show was supposed to come out like the end of May, beginning of June. Uh, and then something happened. And I remember hearing that it was getting moved. Yeah. And then it got announced the same week and it was going to be the same day. So that, to me, feels like they heard. I have to and believe we're that. Like, because also it's like sort of rich to have her out there doing press at the same time as all yeah. the Sex and the City people and also the announcement that she's going to be back on the show. Which none of us knew about. You didn't know. No, I mean, it was truly, uh, the experience of watching all that unfold was completely authentic to me. Like, yeah. I, I was so gagged and so stunned and I was doing press and they were being like, were you so excited that the secret was finally out? I was like, I didn't know. You think Kim was calling me being like, I've got an idea. I'm going back. <laughs> like, I don't think she I wasn't was... running it by you. Yeah, she didn't get the call from HBO, call Pat Fields and then me. <laughs> like, it wasn't that. Speaking of. So this is the bit that I have about And Just Like That on the show. OK, I'm ready. So the first season of And Just Like That. And let me just say, massive fan of Sex in the City, as we all are. And then And Just Like That happens last season. And there was like the Che of it all mm-hmm. and the sort of, you know, new uh, t- Sex in the City 2.0 right. as it were to the point where it's not even really Sex in the City anymore it fully is and just like that it's really yeah. more of an hour long drama with these characters and more my bit was that the first season was written by the third graders and what I mean by <laughs> that is that is as if this was the scenario a teacher came into class and said to a group of third graders, okay, everyone, today we're going to be writing an episode of TV. (laughs) And here are the characters, and whatever you do by the end of the day is what's going to go on. And here are the rules. You have to do an episode of Sex and the City. Now, I know you guys are probably a little little for that. Maybe not know, but here's what it is. And they got all the information, and by the end of the day, as a group, wrote an episode of television, and that is what we see on screen. That's really funny. And I loved that about it. Yeah. I would not hear any criticism about that first season when it came out. I literally was like, I respect your decision to have that opinion, but I was like, I will be tuning in every single episode. And let me say, with energy, I put it on every week. And I was like, thank God my show is on. It's not Sex in the City. I've left it behind. We are in and just like that now, where we are dealing with Miranda screaming from the depths of the bottom of her stomach as Uh. she orgasms because Che is the best finger blaster in the world. They are the best at what they do. They could teach a college course and how to finger and pleasure a woman. Yeah. And I'm here and I'm on board. I was acclimating to the new characters. I kind of liked the drama with Big's death and Carrie's grieving. I thought Sarah Jessica turned it. This season? Mama. Honey. Girl. There's nothing (laughs) happening. My mind is just blown how much Carrie's not in it. That's like truly the number one thing that's blowing my mind. Like I really, when I watch it at home, like the number one thing that we say is just like, where's Carrie during all of this? Like she's so cut off from the rest of everyone, I guess. And this is the problem, I think. Like just like 
with the background and TV writing that I have and like just like from someone who watches and tries to enjoy a lot and like observe a lot, I think what's happening is there's just too many fucking characters. There's so many characters. There's and I love that many. everyone's getting to have their storylines. Like I if I was on the show, I would be so thrilled to have like my own sub story. But right. like watching it, I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so there's like minutes that go by where we never see the original three girls. And it's right. like we want to see the girls. Yeah, you know who's really suffering is Charlotte. Poor Charlotte. Like she doesn't have a storyline. Which I don't know how you feel about the original Sex in the City, mm-hmm. but I feel like when I first watched it and when people would talk about it, I feel like Charlotte never got enough props for like how much she carried the comedy in the of show. Of course. And then I rewatched it before I filmed Glamorous. And I literally was like, Charlotte's kind of like the comedic powerhouse character of the show. Like she, a lot of the time, like everyone has like earnest storylines and mm-hmm. then she's doing like physical bits and like face bits. And yeah. like, so I love the character of Charlotte. So watching the show, I'm like, give me Charlotte. Yeah. So I guess like for me, it's like when you're watching a sitcom like Sex in the City, it's like it actually breaks down pretty mathematically. Like you have Carrie is going to carry the A story. So she's going to mm-hmm. drive the narrative. And then really the second character that gets that's really like more of the second lead, like in terms of like getting the dramatic heft is Miranda. Yeah. So like she'll encompass a lot of those dramatic themes. And that's why you see Hearst continue to get a lot in like an hour long drama version of this show because we're used to seeing that character in three dimensionality. Right. You know what I mean? Whereas like Samantha and Charlotte were sort of two sides of this coin where it was like we're living in prude yuppie world and then we're living in like horror like, <laughs> you know, superhero professional world. And like right. those are two different sides of Carrie's personality that tug of war. Yeah. So without the Samantha it's hard to really enjoy Charlotte. And when there's so many new characters coming out without a defined thing, it just feels like we're living in this sea of people. So we have Carrie doing what she's doing, Miranda doing what she's doing. And then the rest of them sort of occupying the bottom. And it's like, none of them are served by it. I really think the show, like not even adjusting any of the storylines. I know people have so many thoughts on like how the character stories are actually going, but like just structurally speaking, the two things that I think would make the show have like the most magic possible that I'm like, I was counting on for season two. I hope if season three comes around that they will do this. But mm-hmm. like the first is that I think there needs to be because Sex in the City did this so well was a thematic thing yeah. every episode. So like, yes, if the topic was being the one, then yes. it's like everyone needs to have their own story pertaining to that. Yes. And I feel like the new season, like there's sometimes an episode where I'm like, I don't know what it's about what it's like what the end of the result of the I enjoy it and yeah. I'm like having fun watching it but I'm like I don't know what the intention of this episode was and the other thing and I know that they intentionally don't want to do this because of the fact that they want to make it a new show mm-hmm. I want the look at me like I'm in a writer's room I'm like pitching I'm like this is what no, you need but, Michael Patrick but Kay. this is part of being a queer person watching the show is it's like <laughs> We do have ownership over I'm doing this. more press for it just like that than I'm doing for Glamorous, if I'm being honest, because I'm like... We well, we the- know the two feet each other famously. They <laughs> we abso- do. They're absolutely obsessed with <laughs> and the if, Kim listen, of it all. Listen, if they want... They love a trans or non-binary actor on and just like that. If they want someone, I will come in. I will move mountains. I will do anything to Do you believe Marco show. Mejia exists in the same world of and just like that? Do you think it's the same universe? I do. I mean, I played, I, I played I it that way. Yeah. I mean, in the original <laughs> versions of the script, there were Sex in the City references which like obviously with Kim being attached kind of had to be moved around. I would imagine. (laughs) Because it would have been like, listen, we're a campy fun show, but there's something really weird about the idea of Kim saying 
Sex in the City as a different character, like yeah. referring to the show. Sex in the City as Madeline. Yeah, but I mean, I Ooh, I just got like chills thinking about it. I don't like it. I kind of love it though. Maybe I do love it. Maybe, Maybe that's why I got chills. It's gonna be like a multiverse thing. But yeah. Kim Cattrall, she did like everything everywhere all at once. Yeah, that's one way I'm still open to the multiverse. Yeah, so if it's, it's like just like that glamorous. <laughs> there's three multiverses I'm seeing. I'm seeing Sex in the City. I'm seeing glamorous. And I'm seeing um, Kim Cattrall scatting. That specific video <laughs> is its own universe. When that Kim Cattrall in that video leaves that scatting world, it's a different utopia. Exactly. COVID never happened there. Oh my like, god, a world where Kim Cattrall, <laughs> actual Kim Cattrall. Troll, Madeline and Samantha Jones were all in a room together. I want the Hollywood Reporter roundtable. I will pay for that. I will produce that. Um, Only yeah. she can make it happen. Yeah. But yeah, so basically, like, I'm watching the show and I just want to say something. Like, something really struck me. So I'm watching it just like that. And of course, I could go in now on, like, the Che of it all. Like, mm-hmm. it's just so. The Che Miranda relationship is so not fun to watch. It's weird. It's weird. I want to love it because on paper, I'm like, that's fun. Yeah, sure. But like the thing is like, I think that what they've done with Che that I don't think they intended to do is Che is so unlikable. I don't like Che. It's got to be the writing there because there's moments where I'm like, I like see like a flash of what the, the point is. Yeah. But then they have moments where like if there's conflict between Miranda and Che, I yeah. just like don't believe that anyone would respond in an argument in that way. Exactly. And so like I never know what like in the first season, I feel like we're literally going to talk about it just like that this whole pod. I love no, it. we literally aren't. I'm so happy to do that. Um, <laughs> literally, I'm totally OK to never talk about anything that I do. But um, I, to me, like the first season, Che was very like fuck boy, just like. Yeah, this is all my cards are on the table, and I I liked that. I was like, okay, cool. We're seeing Miranda like pursue this like never ending like pursuit or whatever. Yeah. But then in season two, now it feels like Che is like also like in pursuit of something that they can't get. So like it's just mm-hmm. a weird thing where I'm like, you guys on paper should just be happy. Yeah. But for some reason, something's not happening. I think that what's happening is they are trying to make Che mm-hmm. one of the main characters of the show. Like we're seeing Che get their own scenes like yeah. in the dressing room where there's a concern about Che's weight from a producer, right. et cetera, things like that. That and producer th- also. Right. I think what the show is losing is the fact that like we have to stay with the main characters. We stay with the girls and like stay with everyone the else can be a part of it. But like you have to put Miranda in that fitting. Yes. We have to see Miranda see through yeah. her eyes. Because the whole thing of Sex in the City, to like take it to like a biblical way, is like we are all of those girls. Those yes. girls are all of us. 100%. I made those girls. These are my girls. It's literally like the quadrants of personality. That's <laughs> yeah. why it's like four. It's like, not to bring this in, but it's like, that's why they separate the Hogwarts houses. You know what I mean? Like the, <laughs> oh, the, God. the Sex in the City girls. Uh-huh. Like there's four. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like you can quadrant it in a way that makes sense. Sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so when we're split into a million different directions and also they're changing the characters a lot, it's like, of course, women over time, they change, they grow, right. but they are centrally who they are. And that's important in storytelling. Yeah. And so like when what if we started I'm, crying right now? Yeah. And, and, and we are. <laughs> we and some, are. one thing that you don't know about Miss Benny and I is this is how we cry. Like yeah. we're really crying hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, like losing the characters, yes. But the one thing I really wanted to talk about, and this is important to me as a podcaster. Okay. So when Carrie gets an ad that she has uh, to read on her podcast for a feminine odor product uh-huh. and can't wrap her head around it, 
After writing a sex column for decades, Honey, mind you. First of all, let me give you a glimpse into what podcasting is. You're getting mad. You just fucking read it. Yeah. You just fucking read it. Is There's there... no integrity involved. They put it in front of you. You read it and you make your check and you go the fuck <laughs> home. And if anyone should know that, it's Carrie fucking Bradshaw. It blew my mind. It was mind blowing. And I also just love that she was like, well, we got a week off of work or like whatever. And I was like, these people, this is like, you literally have scenes where her people that she works with, like all of her colleagues are literally being like, please do this ad. And she's like, it's just not my style. And I'm like, honey, that blew my mind. It, it was, it's it's just like, who is this woman? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's just such a misunderstanding of how it all works. And then for the podcast company to fold because it's like, quote unquote, tough for podcasts right now. It's not. Also, that one ad <laughs> broke them. The one they literally just like, are like, we don't do vaginal lubricant. Well, pack it up, girls. No, we're, we're all going. Like, yeah. look, at, look around at this budgeted oh like podcast studio. Also, the guy, the podcast producer she was fucking was hot, but there was nothing there. Yeah, I don't know. I'm also like, I'm kind of miss... On Sex in the City, I feel like the men were like really objectified in a way that yes, I really rotate enjoyed. them out. They were rotated. They were also like naked a lot. Like I feel like when we saw Steve's, I will never forget seeing Steve like laying on his stomach and like seeing his, his ass and being Ugh. like, "Oh, this is made for me. Yes. Like this is what I want to see." And I feel like there's like not as much sex appeal in the men in the show, and the men are attractive. So I'm like, yeah, they're just not be. they're not being utilized in that way. It feels like a neutered version of the show, which is bizarre. It's strange to have a show like based around. I guess it's not based on sex anymore, but like, uh, I want to see the, the. We got we got lots of good ass and glamorous. We did get some good ass and glamorous, and we didn't know how much was gonna make it because we shot. Every scene that we did that had nudity, we shot it like at every stage of nudity. I see. You got the PG version. Yeah, we did all of them just in case. And they used most of them. Like, mm -hmm. I was actually really shocked to find out that there was a lot of butt in the show. Oh, yeah. There's so much butt in the show and quality butt, too. Yeah. And also, like, I just love when you have a gay director mm -hmm. and they framed the ass in the shot. Like David mm -hmm. Warren, who directed the Provincetown <laughs> episode, if he thinks that people don't know what he was doing with Zane Phillips's ass in that scene where he's, Zane is standing on the diving board, and it's like, we're all in the foreground, like playing in the pool, and then it's just Zane's <laughs> like 15 out of 10 ass just yeah. like standing on the diving board. I was just like, it's so funny because he's so gorgeous that you just laugh. It's almost not human. Like, I talked to him about this one time. I was like, he's so sexy that it's like, there's no sex to me anymore. Like, I literally am like, he's so... I've now, like, just see him as like, oh, you're like an action figure. I know. It was also funny because Marco, like, Netflix had this, like, really funny attitude towards Marco where it was like, Marco's, like, having sex and doing drugs and, like, doing all these young adult things. But also, like, Marco's a sweetheart. We need to, like, protect Marco as, like, a little virginal. I was like, okay. And you're like, no, Marco's a whore. No, I was like, literally, Marco is, like, Walking around on this show. It's crazy. And um, anytime everyone else had to be naked, I was like always the most covered up to the point that it created this narrative on set that people were like, if you're not comfortable, you can keep your shirt on in the scene. I was I like, remember I want to be naked. Yeah, I remember you I talking about this. I want people to see me. I yeah. want my body to be out. There's like a whole, we shot the, we did like an underwear party sequence and it's like a yeah, hundred extras in jock straps and then us and our little tidy whities <laughs> And they were just telling us to do stuff. So it was like, go to the DJ booth and stand on this desk and like dance and do a shot. And then at one point they had <laughs> Michael C. Rosen walking down a line of background actors, kissing them on the cheek. 
and then me on a stripper pole and I'm supposed to be like dancing around and we were so fatigued and tired because you know when you've been filming in a hot studio for so long that eventually you're just like saying Saps. whatever they ask yeah, you're yeah, like yeah. sure so I like did like a minute long take where I like I did things that God would not be proud of and I remember the note I got back mm. the next day was that Netflix watched the dailies and were like so Miss Benny on a pole that was a lot and I was like sorry I did not mean and it was used for half a second in the cut yeah, I mean, that's why you give them options. Yeah. I'm going to give you what it feels like I was doing to actually be up on this poll. Yeah, I was like, listen, if we get one sex moment in the show where someone gets to be an absolute whore, I'm going to claim it. <laughs> I, I'll never forget getting to set. I think Joel and I landed on set, and I think you guys had like just done that very acrobatic like sex sequence. Oh, yeah. You and Graham uh-huh. had, like I guess, like really went for it like, we had, like just five before days we got out of there. just sex and making out, which which was cut into a 30 second montage. And (laughs) it was so funny because me and Graham up to that point were very friendly, but we hadn't really like had like a moment yet because Mm -hmm. we hadn't really shot anything very intimate like that. And then like day four of just like consistently making out and being like oiled up because like he was always naked. So he's like, Oiled up in body makeup. I have like heels and ruffles on because once again, they will not let me show any inch of skin. And She's a lady. I know. There's actually a scene where, and I remember fighting with the director about this because it was so crazy, but I'm supposed to completely take off that whole outfit in the scene. And so every time we reset, I had to literally like rebutton and re put on oh, everything oh and then take it all off again. And I was like, being an actor is so hard. Being it's an hard actor enough. faking sex. And also, the famous story from that is that so Graham is naked, naked, barefoot, like uh-huh. dripping out of the shower. And I'm wearing these Alexander McQueen <laughs> shoes with these three spikes on the end that are like legitimately <laughs> weapons. And I kept telling everyone on set, Oh, yeah, you heard him, right? Yeah, I was like, these will hurt somebody. Like, please be careful and then in the scene because Marco's a top I'm supposed to like whip him around and push him down and I remember we did like 20 takes of it and then the last take I like pulled him in for the kiss and when I whipped him around I heard a pop as if someone had stepped on a balloon and then when I pushed him down he had like a wince on his face and I was like I just I thought I did good and maybe the kiss wasn't featuring like I was like wondering why he looked so like distraught and then we looked down and there was like a puddle of blood oh my god he had stepped on the spikes and I essentially twisted him onto the spikes and then um you impaled the girl I did yeah and then uh, and not just in a twink top way I know yeah Lots of impaling, yeah. Sex montage meant a lot of things in that in that moment. And to this day, he still has like a three prong scar on the bottom of his foot. Shut the fuck up. And I think he owns a part of Netflix now. I think that was part of the yeah, outcome that was of that. It. <laughs> it's like years ago, I heard a story about like, well, I won't say what massive theme park it was, but a, a friend Dollywood. of mine went. It was Dollywood. <laughs> it, was Dolly, yeah. it wasn't. Sorry, Dolly. <laughs> no injuries have ever happened there. I'm sure she just clicked off of this right it, now. She, she was like, I'm not listening to this no more. <laughs> By the way, you're a star. Dolly but someone I guess was at this like massive theme park chain and like Mm -hmm. you know those like umbrellas that you put in a hole on a table Uh so like if it's really windy it could come out of the hole ostensibly so I guess the umbrella the umbrella flew out of the hole Uh because a gust of wind came and you know the top of those umbrellas have those pointy tops no 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 so it flew over and lodged into my friend's little brother's head okay and it was the kind of thing where it went into his skull. And it was the kind of thing where it was like, oh, wow, this traumatic thing has just happened and I feel no pain. Right. And so first aid came over and like took care of it. And apparently they get to go to that theme park now for the rest of their lives for free. 
oh as long God. as they don't ever say anything. Okay. And I won't say. So you telling the story right now, they like are at that theme park right now being removed. And they're like, you told <laughs> well, somebody. Well, you shouldn't have told your fucking blabbermouth gay friend right. with a podcast. Radio mouth over here. I know, period. That is crazy. It was completely insane. Every time I see those umbrellas that are like locked into the table, I'm like, this is a bad idea. Am I, I crazy? It's just like, it's too much. There's got to be a better way. I literally watched, I was at the beach the other day and somebody had um, one of those umbrellas you like screw into the sand uh-huh. and it had come out and was like flew over and literally almost impaled somebody. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> You're like, happens to me all the time. Happens all the time. You get used to it. You, can't, you can't have fun anywhere these days. Malibu, baby. <laughs> Malibu, baby. <laughs> Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Speaking of um, speaking of formative experiences, like the traumatic experience <laughs> we? that my friend's little brother went through. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're going to transition now to this part of the podcast, which is really the central question of this podcast. And I'm thrilled that I get to talk to you about this because I know it's going to be a thrilling, engrossing answer, which is Miss Benny. Okay. What was the culture that made you say culture was for you? This is that thing <sighs> that you can look back and you're like, when I consumed this culture, when I was privy to this pop culture, that's when I can pinpoint me becoming who I am. I'm really excited to say this because I'm curious if you were also this person. But for me, it was always, 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 I could sim off a hundred stories about America's Next Top Model. Oh, come on. Particularly one of my earliest trans thoughts and memories that should have like illuminated everything to me was when I was a kid, I would watch the show and I would dream of, and not dream of in a way of like, that would be fun. It's like, I legitimately was like, this will happen for me. I was like, I'm going to be on this show. I'm going to be one of the contestants. And I remember I would tell that to people and they'd be like, oh, if they ever add like boys to the cast. And I literally was like, what the fuck do you, <laughs> you mean? You were like, you don't fucking get it. I literally was like, that literally is, don't talk, don't talk. You, yeah, are, yeah, yeah. you are a denim vest, don't talk. <laughs> I was like, we're not doing that. And then when they actually eventually added boys to the show, I stopped watching. I was like, well, yeah, this is not the like, show that well, I wanted. Right, exactly. I wanted to be one of the girls. Yep. I wanted uh-huh. to go to Rome. I wanted to like do all of the Tyra Banks like trauma shenanigans. You want to do ghosties. Yes, I wanted yeah. to go on the ghosties and have them tell me that I'm too Southern. Like, that's what I wanted. <laughs> I wanted to go to after all of those and go booked. Like, yes. I wanted to have my confessional moment. I wanted to like hook up with a boy in Italy and cry about it. Like uh-huh. I wanted to have the whole thing. And then um, it was also my first time I ever saw gay people. It's the first time I ever saw a trans person with Isis King. Mm. And I remember her experience on the show. That time in television was just crazy. And yes. obviously America's Ex was very famously like when people watch it back, they're gagged at what made it on TV at the time. Problematic culture, but it yeah. was formative culture. Formative. And I remember Isis on the show specifically was the first time I ever heard of what being trans was. And it was crazy because she was like met with so much blatant transphobia. I mean, they were just yeah. like zooming in on her body in very crazy ways during yep. like all of these photo shoots. And I remember just being like, this is insane that they're treating her this way, but also feeling like I'm so... I like see myself in this person for the right, first time and right. she was like one of the girls one of the models and like yeah. I remember it was just like so cool to me to watch queer people on a show like that yeah and it, it was like somehow able to like sneak that into my like conservative Christian household because my sister liked it and it mm-hmm. was seen as like a girly thing right so if I watched it it was like oh that's just because it's on yeah it's on yeah I might as well but I fully like with the little digital camera we had I would like hang things on my body and like pose and I remember Eva in cycle three like had this famous photo with this tarantula on her oh, hand yeah. like this oh yeah iconic and where her hand's like cascading over her eye and maybe I, the best picture ever taken on that series to this day if someone's ever like be fierce I'm like yeah it's like my go-to I give this pose. too as a yeah. joke it's the little V over the eye uh huh which mm-hmm. is like by the way one of the corniest poses you could possibly it's, do I, that's maybe why I like it so much just cause I we like we are those girls <laughs> we seek. are the comedy queens <laughs> Literally. Literally. Wow. Okay, wait. The fact that you were the only one on set that understood when I said literally where it came from. There's so many, uh, particularly my favorite thing about filming with you is you were one of the only people that understand my like random drag race references because everyone can do the like back rolls moments. But I remember I was like, let's take a second to see how this goes. (laughs) Right. And I was, you were the only person. Oh, please. 
Because yeah. there's nothing more important to me, and we will get back to the top model, but like the thing I think is the funniest thing in the world is cadences. <laughs> yes. Like when people say things a certain way, like <laughs> the choice of literally, like <laughs> to me, it's like I will always say to Bo and I'll just go literally. And it's I can see favorite. him sort of knowing what it is. Like some people in my life sort of knowing what it is, but I do have to always remind people. Yeah. The one time I did not have to remind people where it was from was you. My best friend buddy always makes fun of me because if I say something with a particular <laughs> cadence and he he doesn't recognize what it's from. He's like, what, like, 2008 <laughs> reality show? I'm constantly doing from Top Model. There's a moment where... I think it's cycle six. It's whatever Nicole's season was, but she oh, great. there's, like, an argument between Lisa and this other girl who I'm forgetting the name of right now, <laughs> and she literally is, like, calling her out for something. And the girl goes, and what are you doing, stupid alcoholic bitch? <laughs> I say that constantly. If, if someone's ever like, oh, Benny, you're, like, uh, you're in the wrong lane or something, I'll be like, and what are you doing? It's... <laughs> My favorite thing in the world. There was so much from that show that like <laughs> remained in pop culture, not even just as like, you know, a funny Tyra thing or like a funny thing about the contestants, but just reality show culture. Yeah. Like there are two beautiful girls standing in front of me. <laughs> I only have one photo in my hands. Takara. You know what it's I mean? So like Sudi oh, Sudi and I always go, my friend Sudi and I always go. Like whenever we have to like say something, with, I always like, a go, lot of heft. I always do Brasilia anytime I'm talking about anything to do with Brazil. There's something about the season with Melrose and Carrie D, which is my favorite. Unhinged. Yeah. Those girls were out. For well, they blood. were completely insane. Carrie D was completely. Remember yeah. the runway, the final runway, which was them like screaming down the hallway. Oh my god! The yeah, gowns. they were doing this like Alexander McQueen screeching thing. Yeah, that was insane. I Love that show. And I know it was amazing. I know that it's aged in a, such a crazy way, but there's just nothing quite like the moment where I forget the name of the girl who literally like faints in the middle of the yes, judging. Yes, 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 yes. And then they just like resume judging afterwards. Like it is the craziest. Yeah, I think Tyra was like, and this is the reason why we drink water. Okay, yeah. keep them going. She's like, when I was a model working backstage, if I fainted, I just went out there and I fainted on stage. Yeah, like, and I made it part of yeah. the show. Also, just the pop culture of. Every single time the makeovers came, Tyra being like, you're going to have a pixie cut like Mia Farrow. Yeah. And you're going to have long straight hair like Naomi Campbell. Yep, always the and same she references. she always talked so highly of Naomi, which was so wild when you were also a fan of like the Tyra Banks show. Oh, yeah. Oh, I loved it. I ate it all I mean, one of the great YouTube videos you can go back and rewatch is the Tyra and Naomi interview. Where there's no audience. And it's literally just them two just like... Just like the way they couldn't get there and they had to clearly like have a commercial break and the producers had to say to Naomi like, hey, like we definitely need some resolution here. Like, or it's going to be really bad. I dream of having that. Actually, Tyra, I do apologize. Yeah. And she's like, I don't know what for, but I apologize. It's not that deep. I love, It's not that deep is a moment in culture. So good. And I also, my favorite quote from that too is um, when Tyra's talking about something that Naomi said at a photo shoot. She's like, you came over to me and you said, do you know what you said? And Naomi goes, what did I say? What did I say? It's so fierce. She's like excited. She's like kikiing about it. What did I say? She's like, what did I get you with? Oh my God. How did I get you together that day, little girl? And then I think it was that she had said something of like, I heard what you were saying about me earlier, bitch. And then like walked away. And I'm like, okay, first of all, if I said that to somebody, it would absolutely be funny. Like it would be a joke. I'd be like, I heard what you said about me. That's what I love about being, not that's what I love about being queer, but like the thing is like, like, pride is over, Matt. And and, and, and like I said, I am sobbing fully. And like, this is the thing about me. But that is something at least that is like gifted to us is it's like nothing is ever that serious. Right. And like, unless it is, but like, if I came over to you during a take and was like, I heard what you said about me, you fucking bitch. I know you would laugh. 
Yeah, of course. Whereas back in the model days of Tyra and Naomi, there was no laughing. There was nowhere. Yeah. Oh my god. And then just to like really, I mean, the pinnacle of like top model personalities was Jade. Because mm. how else could you ever top that? I mean, prototype villain. I wonder where she is now. I would love you to have her on the pod if you haven't already. Like that Open would be. Open invite. It would be iconic. She understood reality TV before I think people understood how to do reality TV. It was like oh, her yeah. and Tiffany Pollard. Like it was like two people who understood how to do this. And can we just say justice for all of these mostly women who got the bad rap of like oh she's a villain she's the quote unquote bitch like whatever <sighs> no 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 what they were doing was giving you something to watch right it's like if you go back I'm, this is probably before your time too but like years and years and years ago I know you're a survivor queen mm-hmm. Jerry Manthe on the second season mm-hmm. of Survivor Australian Outback she was like uh, aspiring actress. She she did well in the competition. She was unabashedly horny. She was devious. She was like one of the girls cackling. She was making up lies about other people. She said that one of the... <laughs> this is so me. She, like literally, <laughs> and she did well. And she had such a bad reputation at the time in the media because she was like, you know, like the vixen and like the bitch yeah. goddess of the island and like the villain and the antagonist. Meanwhile, if she competed on Survivor today, people would be like, that's genius that you made everyone yeah. think he smuggled in beef jerky. That's amazing you told that person yeah. they said something bitchy about them because that's how you win now. People caught on. These antagonists, yeah. these girls that were doing the show and getting in each other's heads and doing reality television yeah. that got this bad rap at the time and probably couldn't leave the house would be celebrated today and we celebrate them on this podcast. Absolutely. And I feel like gay people have like always been a little in on that. Like, I was just, okay, this is crazy, but when I was with Zayn last night, we were at some party that Parvati was at. Oh, yeah, yeah. Parvati's very around. I watched the finale of Survivor with Parvati this year. Oh, my God. So you're a blessed child. That is so lucky of you. Did Um, you get to, like, engage with Parvati? Yes. And the person who was hosting this party um, was like, hey, I know this is funny, but this is real. Um, I've hidden, like, a hidden immunity idol at this party. And so whoever finds it, I don't remember what the like prize actually was, but it was like, you have to find it. And so me, of course, me and Zane were like, we will Looking burn all this over. house Wait, this happened down. last night? This happened last night. Because this same thing happened at the finale party I was at her with. I'm wondering if this is something she does at parties. Maybe she to. does, because she knows we won it. Because when we met her, we were like skirting around the fact that we were all like, <laughs> this is a fire legend. Like, oh, this is crazy. Oh my God. And so the next thing I know, like Parvati's like giving us tips on where to look. Cause like she like had heard notes and hints that were given. And so like, then it looks like we're just like robbing this person's house. Cause I'm like, I, I, you're also, like in the bathroom going through cabinets. No, but listen, like if somebody who's hosting a party, and by the way, didn't know the host before this, if somebody's <laughs> hosting a party that you're going to, and you don't know them very well, and they tell you I've hidden a hate immunity, I don't, you need to find it. You're then negotiating with yourself. Like how serious can I take this? Yeah. Is this carte blanche? Cause I'm going through your pills. We opened the microwave. Like yeah. we're like going through drawers. Like there was a room that was closed and I was like, do I go in there? Like I was like, I don't know what the rules are. You know who are. would go in there? Parvati. Parvati. And then guess what? About an hour into it, I went up to the host and asked for another hint and was like, I think I know it's probably over here. And they were like, somebody found it. <gasps> and I think it was Parvati. I really do. Well, she's so good at that. And so then we went up to Parvati and we were like, but whoever gets the idol probably isn't going to tell anyone about it, right? And she was like, yeah, I've heard that that's probably the right way to do it. Isn't it funny, like, when you meet Parvati in person and she, like, is Parvati? Yes. You know what I mean? Like, it's been years since she was on the show, but it's giving Parv. Yes. She's perfect. She's perfect. Every season I've watched with her in it, I'm just like, how? if I was in that competition and she was there, I would sacrifice myself for her. Yeah. In any way. I'd be like... 
Uh, she is one of them too, though. Like, because she also was like on Survivor at that time. Yeah. Where, where now I think looking back, and I think like true Survivor fans like always do think of her as one of the greats, obviously because she is. But at the time, I remember her first season, like, yeah. which was Cook Islands. She was looked at as like, oh, she's the flirtatious one. Like, her game is not to be taken seriously, etc. To the point where I remember when she came back for Micronesia, which she ended up winning. Uh-huh. Again, everyone was like. Oh, we know her game already. Like it doesn't work. Then uh, it worked beautifully. And what I love is seeing girls come on the show and try to do the poverty yes. thing. And I'm like, girl, you, you could never be poverty. You could never Everyone be poverty. Oh my god, that's my favorite thing. Is when you, people are like, "What kind of game do you think you're gonna play?" Because you know, I watch all the pre-interviews, of course. And people are like, "I think I'm gonna be like poverty." I'm like, "Shut up." The thing about poverty that watching it. Um, <laughs> That truly gets me every time is like she somehow has this like aura of I'm like so clued in, but I also don't give a fuck. Yeah. She truly like knows how to give somebody just enough attention in a way that does. And that's something that I absolutely don't have as a person. Like I fully will give way too much to somebody because I'm like, this is what you want. Right. But she like. In every conversation she had, she just felt like she was like, we're the cool one. Yeah. She's never done too much in her life. No. I don't think she even knows what that feels like. And so every time I watch her, I was just like taking like social notes on how to speak to people. A hundred percent. She's so good. Social notes that you probably were not taking during Top Model because they were a collection of the craziest people in America. No, I think Top Model (laughs) like formed me and then Parvati is me trying to unform. Yeah, refine you. Yeah, I'm trying to like take what I have and like fix it. Okay, so um, America's top model culture, mm-hmm. like that was formative. Do you have, just to throw out there, do you have a picture in your mind of who the best, not winner, but contestant in, of, in America's next top model history is? Like who is the most iconic? And it can be a winner. Who is the most iconic? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, I do feel like when people post clips of top model, obviously like not of Tyra, I feel like it is Jade. Like, mm-hmm. I do feel like it has to be her. I feel like I remember vividly the warfare when Allison Harvard did not win her season of Cycle mm. 12. And I remember just how scary it was to be a top model fan at that time because it felt like our world Who was, was being scared? shattered. I was scared. I was scared, yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think that, like, I'd never seen, like, a fan favorite on that show more than her. And I've met her a couple times now, and every single time she, like... You know when you meet someone that like you really admire and they're famous and so and they've like worked on something years ago and you don't want to like ask them about it so you just like talk to them and they like refer to this thing that they did and they're like oh yeah I did this show when I was like 20 that was like super crazy and now you have to like be like oh cool like oh what, wow hmm. what was the what was it and they're like oh it's like a, it's America's Next Top Model and you're like oh that's so yeah I've seen that that's so, so did fun. you play that game or yeah. were you you did oh I'm of course that girl are you kidding me again you were being part of you could not give too much no I can't because it'd be too much to give too much I always I feel like it's better now to just be like. I saw this thing. I know this thing. You're really good at that, though, I will say. Like, when you meet the girls, you're really good about just being like, I worship you and we can move on. Like, I, I feel because <laughs> I feel like it does get it out of the way because yeah. then all of a sudden you realize you're like drained later when you're yeah. trying, especially like when you yourself are meeting someone like mm-hmm. and then they reveal like I've been on dates. Very good. Where like, Thank you so much. <laughs> I've been on dates, period. Okay. End of podcast. Um, <laughs> no, but like I've been on dates and like it'll be like the third or fourth date that someone will be like, hey, I just feel at this point it's a little weird and I want to tell you like I do listen to the podcast. That's weird. Or I do watch this show. Yeah. Or I do know this movie or I do know this thing. 
or even sometimes like I've actually been to your shows. And at that point, I'm just like, see, and now being on that side of it, now I really know. Just tell people the knowledge that you have. You have to acknowledge it and then move on. Because all of a sudden it's like, honey. Because then it feels like they've been hiding something from you. Yeah. And it's like, well, now I feel like looking back on every interaction, I'm like, this was all colored by you knowing me versus I would have just known that before. Yeah. That's interesting. I would never think like, oh, what was your motive until now? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? That's creepy. I'm so sorry that happened to you. <laughs> are, are, are you partnered up right now? Are you booing? Um, You know, she's Oh my God, the coquettish nature of your answer. It's so crazy of me. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I have this like- She's uh, taken care of, she said. You, you know that- I know. I don't know what the fuck that was. I'm so sorry. She's having orgasms. You know she's having orgasms. She's very and just like that. But you know what's so funny is I have this like, because of the era that I became like privy to pop culture- Uh-huh. I'm like so burned in my brain with 2008 logic where I'm like, when you're a public figure, you need to be like so open. People need to feel like they could have you if they knew you. Okay, talk about this. Because you know how like, think about like Justin Bieber or like any of these like pop stars early on. It was always like, you want the audience to feel like you're attainable. And if you were like dating somebody, I mean, I think of a lot of these like boy bands and pop stars who like, it was always like, Oh, you know, I don't really talking about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have a like, promise ring on. Ariana Grande being like, mm, you know, I'm just flirting. Like, yeah, I'm just, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I have that burned in my brain, which is like not how it is now. <laughs> to the point that like if I go on a date with anyone or I meet anyone or anything's going on, like I hold that so close to my chest. Like mm-hmm. the world is banging on the door to know anything about <laughs> yeah. my life. It's so frightening. And I will say the weird thing now about being like, on the like weird like Z list of gay famous is like the ways that people recognize me and know of me previously are so weird where it's like if I go to like Forever 21 someone will know me if I go to like a Mac store someone will know me Mm -hmm. but people also like grew up with my music and my YouTube videos yeah 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 to the point that now like even on like the apps someone will message me and be like oh my god I like grew up with your music or whatever like it's so great and Mm -hmm. then they like send the folder (laughs) and I'm like that is the strangest segue yeah it's (laughs) like like, I don't know what to do it's like hey I don't think so honey if this is not actually you (laughs) ha 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 oh Uh, yeah and then you see their whole yeah and I'm like oh my god (laughs) it's like if you sat on Santa's lap and were like what are you doing later why don't you come home and open my boxes Santa I just want to let you know that I grew up with you I've been leaving cookies out for you all my life here's a picture of me sliding into someone else No, I'm like oh my god and then it's like a voice message or Santa (laughs) Santa's hot though I guess now I'm humanizing I'm Santa I guess in this context would you fuck Santa yeah you would yeah I mean you have to remember I'm like but imagine the steps to this moment. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would need to know, like, this isn't a Santa impersonator. I need to know, like, this is real. Santa's real, first of all. Well, first of all, let's let's exist in mall logic, right? Okay. So when you go to the mall, I'm always that's in mall Santa. logic. Yeah, that's of Santa. So yeah. like, just know when you meet Santa, that is Santa. Yeah. Okay. Period. I would absolutely. I would the dick of death. I would take the dick of death from Santa. <laughs> I am ready for Santa. Do you think he gives the dick of death? I think so. Probably. Yeah. He says ho ho ho. That's so true. Do you think he's faithful to Mrs. Claus? I think there's no way. He's what? Faithful to Mrs. Claus. I think they're open. And I think she's plugging up at home too. You think so? Yeah. She got listen, think about the North Pole. Think about all of these like workers that like grow up eventually. They can't always work in the toy factory. They oh gotta work my on something God. else. So years and years and years ago, this is back in the day when like doing comedy when I was in like, you know, the late 
aughts, like 2008, 2009, 2010. Like this is when I was like starting to like mm-hmm. do comedy. And one of the things that was very sort of common about doing comedy at that time was like you would do a comedy rap. Mm. So years ago, I wrote a comedy rap that actually does exist online. It's called When Santa Leave. And it's about (laughs) when Santa leaves the North Pole, how high everyone gets because it's a celebration. (laughs) And there was a verse that I wrote as Mrs. Claus. And it was sort of talking about how what a whore she is. And I there see was, a theme now in your creative process. Oh, I love it. Uh, like, all I want is for everyone a, a to be a whore. A woman in Christmas? She's, she's a, a whore. <laughs> <laughs> she gets around. It was literally like, you got a North Pole, I got a tight hole. Oh, it was like the most like basic. And again, it was like, I would never perform it again because again, I I don't think the world needs me to be rapping. But at the time, it's just like, you I know, need you to be Lonely rapping. Island culture. It was like, yeah, we're rapping. That's comedy. Right. And so, like, I just ripped this viciously whorish line as Mrs. Claus, and I continued to talk about her in my Christmas content. I'm fascinated by her, but I hope she's getting fucked. I hope so, too. I mean, here's the thing. Like, Mrs. Claus and Santa are immortal. Mm Mm-hmm. So they figured it out. They've got a system, I'm sure. Like, I I imagine they're not, like, new to this. They've had a lot of time. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, that's actually Real Culture Number 50. Mrs. Claus and Santa aren't new to this. They're They're true true to to this. this. Yeah, that's the Christmas spirit. Um, (laughs) Oh, my God. They figured it out. So you think that it's a little bit like, you know, maybe like Tom Cruise-y. It's like sort of for images. But but here's a question uh, just amongst, you know, question for the culture. Just for Uh, the culture. Do you think they are in the open situation where they, it's like out of sight, out of mind? Like when he's gone, they can. That's my preferred situation. Okay. Or do you think they're more of like a, he goes and does it. She has her moment and then they come home and they talk They'll about talk it about together. It? I hope not. Here's the she thing. She can't lie though because she'll be on the naughty list. I know. So literally if he's like, what did you do last night? She goes, you don't want to know about it. <gasps> like, And now all of a sudden I really want to know about it. Oh my God. I would imagine that with them, it's like. There's no one else in the world for them, so there's right. no reason to not be brutally honest. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because, I mean, like, I guess I'll say this. I would sleep with Santa, but yeah. I wouldn't date Santa. No. That's too much. Because, first of all, he's so busy. Always on the road. Always on the road, and also you know you're not the only girl. Yeah, and you're So gonna, don't catch feelings. You can't catch feelings. Mm-mm. Do you catch feelings easy? You do. Um, I I don't know. I mean, I can truly... You had a coffee with Michael Sue Rosen and you're talking about him months later on the podcast. And I did just say I would sleep with Santa, so I guess so. It's giving whore. Yeah. It's giving easy. Floozy is the word I've been <laughs> using lately. It's giving um, Title of app. Yeah. Listen, <laughs> she is the discount doll. Everyone can purchase. <laughs> discount doll maybe is a better title of app. Uh, yeah, I, I can really romanticize anyone. Yeah, I think truly like I think about when I first started dating and I was like, I don't know, like like my best friend, for example, can be single for like a really long time and be so happy. And Mm -hmm. like he's truly he's like at such high standards, which I think is good. Yeah. I, on the other hand, of like I am always booed up in some form. And so like for me, I'm like, what do you mean you can't find somebody that you like love and enjoy? Like, yeah, I can. I love everyone. I can enjoy anyone. My therapist threw at me the other day. Not the other day. This is a few months ago. She goes, I don't know. Do you think maybe we're a little bit of a love addict? And I was like, uh, what do you mean? She was like, I think you might be addicted to to the idea of and uh, concept of being in love and being partnered and like that excitement and that rush, which then did end up playing itself out in a way. Yeah. Um, So now it's like, 
when you know you're susceptible to that, it's actually good to know because yeah. like it, it's a lot of emotional energy. And like you also know it's less about the person and it is you. You're yeah. looking for something. Don't necessarily like think you're finding it everywhere. You know what it also is too? Like I, this isn't like a new thought. Like I definitely know people on like TikTok are talking about this, but it's like, it's also the thing of, I can entertain myself on a date no matter what. If somebody's like not giving me anything, I can like make that fun for myself. And that's the part that I think is dangerous though yeah. because when you're on a date and you're sort of thinking about it like, I'm going to crush this date, yeah. that is different than connecting with a person. Yeah. And all of a sudden you leave and you're like, that went well. And it's like, no bitch, you turned it because you're the moment. I turned it out. You turned it because you're the moment, but you didn't like the person. Yeah, congratulations, but... <laughs> congratulations, yeah. you are the winner of this challenge. Yeah. But there's no immunity. No, I fully I fully <laughs> dated this boy one time for like, it was like two or three dates. And I remember like being so gushy about him to my friends. But then like had I had no anecdotes or like stories to tell. I yeah. was just like, but I just feel so good on the dates. It's like, oh, it's because I'm doing a tight under 10. Like I'm showing up and being like, well, you'll never believe what happened to me this week. Yeah. And I love that because I love me. Exactly. <laughs> when you live for your fantasy... When like, you, you are your own diva. When you are you your diva own out. diva, you you are the doll. <laughs> yes. We're, and that's actually real culture number 99. When you are your own diva, you are the, the doll. doll. But this is just a question that I have because I do this all the time. Because I have this, I don't know if it's because like I have a background in writing or because I'm a performer or whatever. Oh I God. often will show up on dates. And now I really try not to do this. But I used to show up on dates all the time with a line I was going to say. Oh. With like a joke I was going to open with. An icebreaker. Are you giving rehearsed? Um, yeah, I'm in the same boat as you where I have to try to, for everything though, where it's like if I'm going, I mean, this is social anxiety. Hi, hello. Uh, yeah, of course. You? Thank you. Um, I, medication. Every situation I go into with like a opening icebreaker and yeah. I'm trying to break that because then what happens is if it doesn't land, my life's, over yeah. like the situation's done if we had started this pod and like we didn't immediately start kicking right away it would have been i would have left <laughs> well that's now. why i was so excited you were coming is because i was like i don't have to I, I feel like i could just show up with miss benny and just you know it, it's the yeah. girls and i've always felt that about you i've always felt that about you you're my girl we have like the weirdest i feel like upbringing is like social friends because i feel like i met you at betty who i saw you here and there and then we ended pandemic up pandemic queen yeah, and then we randomly ended up at a Jessica Simpson book tour oh moment. Oh my God, do you remember that? And the PETA running on stage moment. Yeah. Quickly, before we get into I Don't Think So Honey, we have to relive this moment. So <laughs> we were we were at Jessica Simpson's, what was she? It was She was being interviewed by Katherine Schwarzenegger. Lots to unpack there. Who was married to Chris Pratt. Is she not anymore? Who is married to, oh, okay. I think they are. So like... Catherine was interviewing Jessica Simpson about her inspiring new book, Open Book. And, you know, like the queers we are, we were like, we're absolutely going to this. And I should have known. Of course. That y'all would be there. And also the fact that it was like a two hour book Q&A moment. And I don't believe anything was said. No, but there and I was, loved it. There was then the moment where a PETA... Person. Representative, yeah, a representative. I almost yeah. said representative. I'm like, yeah. were they? Okay, a well, PETA they person. They certainly were representing PETA when a they PETA work. Let me uh, tell you that. <laughs> So they somebody giving a pita their mind. A pita their mind. I'm gonna stand up and give you a pita something. Pita my heart. <laughs> Take another little one. Um. So basically, they stand up like and they waited a long time. Like this is like an hour long conversation. They waited what had to be like 45 minutes. Okay. To then get up and scream at Jessica for using fur. And it was crazy because I don't know if you remember, but it was one person who was in like the middle of the aisle, so like they couldn't really remove them, and then. That person, I don't know how it got handled. And then, like, 
popcorn. Yep. They just showed up around everywhere. A bunch they of people. They had organized where they were sitting to where I didn't know. I thought you were going to stand up. I know. All of us. Can you, the gag that would have been had I stood up and been like, hey, Jessica, stop using fur. Like if I had been like a Honestly, crazy though, person. my social anxiety, I probably not that, not that they're crazy people. They have all the right in the world to do this. But like in the moment, I was just like, I think wow, what they're advocating for is great. But that was scary. I, Jessica Simpson, like, why are we fighting Jessica Simpson at this moment? Yeah. In 2000, whatever that was. But I guess that's how you do it. You know what I mean? Like you take your space in the moment to let, you let people <laughs> you know. You go to Jessica Simpson. You go to Jessica Simpson's book signing. You stand up and you scream. You sit there for hours. Yeah. Make sure that you are not sitting near your friends, and oh then God. you make it a moment. And honestly, I'll give it to him. That's what I remember about that night. It was my favorite part of the night. Also, watching Jessica fully play it off so well. She was like literally on stage being like, I just love my book. My book is the reward that I love. Like, well, yeah. And then don't you feel like after they were all doing that, because it was like four or five outbursts of that, I then was kind of like, well, I feel like now you kind of have to speak to this. Yeah. And she didn't. Because then the audience was like kind of like, and so let's talk about yeah, it. Yeah, it like, was like, okay, so clearly this is something that's like an issue. So like, what is the tea? Like, does your billion be, dollar company use these products? In the same way that you have to address to a celebrity that you love that you know who they are ahead of time, mm-hmm. I feel like they needed to address that there were repeated people in the building. Because then what it created was a sense of unease where I felt like all of us were just like waiting for the net. We weren't even listening to the stories. We no, were it like made everyone nervous. Waiting for the next moment where it was yeah. like, is it you? Is it you? It's not I think we even did that bit. Like I think we did. You, me, and Vince were like, "Yeah, none of us are Peter." They right? also like <laughs> the thing I remember is we had to like go through like a metal detector and put all of our stuff out to check. So I'm like, "Where did they put their signs?" <laughs> exactly. I've been racking they my did brain have about this signs, for right? years. I, in, in my mind's eye, it now it now looks like they fully had like a huge like plaster sign, but maybe or they like didn't. paintball guns and yeah. we're like shooting the red like curtains. It was officially a chaotic atmosphere. Yeah, I loved it. I loved it too. Speaking, I'd go back today. I'd go back today, and I want it again. Bean Dad, the dress. 30 to 50 feral hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus, where every week I take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who were they? What made them so notorious? Why did the internet choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? I'll be talking to internet historians, experts, and yes, the main characters themselves to get a fuller picture. Because I think that even outside individual experiences, a character of the day tells us something about how the internet worked at that time and how the attention economy developed into the freaky three-headed dragon it is today. Together, we probably won't be able to properly log out, but we can take a walk down scary internet memory lane and see one day a little more clearly. Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot 
and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of chaotic atmospheres and doing it again, this is now the segment of the podcast that we do every single time. It's called I Don't Think So, Honey. It's our world famous segment where we take one minute to rant, rave, rail, and more against something in culture that absolutely deserves the railing. Okay. Oh. We're not the only things that deserve okay, railing, Mrs. okay? Claus, back okay, in the Mrs. Room. Claus, all of a sudden I'm looking for my pole. <laughs> got this Seriously looking for a pole these days, too. Yeah. Really, and genuinely. Pole is a goal. It's actually been several months since I've had like just an honest to God pole. Penetrative sex. I, well, I, I, when's the last time I got fucked? A long time. Okay. And if not a pole, what? Six weeks, maybe? Uh, well, then I, there was a little moment there where I was actually experimenting, because I'm kind of newly in my bottom era. Okay. So there was like a moment there where I had like an actual vibrator that I was sticking up there. Oh and God. like it, it, actually, it was really thrilling. Because I've never done that. I've never like, you know. Word mass- on the street is prostate play is in, baby. Word on the street is, it's actually real culture number nine. Word on the street uh-huh. is prostate play is in, baby. You're putting the pro in prostate. And so all of a sudden there I am like sort of like really rocking my own ass. Like while I was jacking off. Rocking your whole world. <laughs> rocking Literally. my whole world. And I haven't done that in a while. Maybe I will. But also looking for a poll. Anyway. There's something really funny about talking to somebody about this and be like, I think I'm going to do that when I get home. Because then it's like, you're going to go home and be like, oh, me and Miss Biddy talked about this. I it's should like, oh, masturbate yeah. now. <laughs> like, it's like, oh, yeah, I meant to uh, put that thing in the mail. Uh, oh, yeah, I said I was going to. Let gonna, me flip uh, the bean real quick. Let me, yeah. let me, let me anally stimulate myself. Uh-huh. Anyways, uh, transitioning to the segment. <laughs> this is I don't think so, honey. I'm going to go first. Oh, my God, I'm nervous. And then Miss Benning is going to absolutely rock the house. Okay. Okay, so this is my Matt Rogers' I don't think so, honey. And my time starts now. I don't think so, honey, that you can't go to a concert anymore without wondering is the star on stage going to get something fucking thrown at them oh my god okay first bb rexa then it happened to it just happened to kelsey ballerini mm-hmm. it went down with uh, pink is being mother's ashes are being thrown at her and a brie cheese being handed a brie cheese like everyone i don't think so honey bring your phone and keep it in your goddamn pocket i don't even think so honey people filming the concerts i'm guilty of this but just like if we can't be trusted to have anything on us like that's gonna ruin the concert experience for everyone i have 30 seconds so basically my thing is just like people 
stop. I don't know if it has anything to do with more than like you're trying to give them something. If you're trying to give Kelsey Ballerini a bracelet, yeah. fucking send it to the fucking president of the fan club, okay? <laughs> don't be throwing things that hit her in the eye. You could seriously hurt her. I don't think so, honey. Like even as a viewer of the concerts, now I'm going to sit there. It's like a Jessica Simpson open book. I don't know what's going to happen next. And that's one minute. Wow. I just can't with and it happened to someone else too it was bb rexa got like a fucking huge eye bruise because like an android someone threw at her it was like a, someone and the threw guy a phone. laughed after yeah then you know who it was, was? ava max at the fonda someone rushed ava. her and like she essentially got like slapped in the face because a fan got so excited it's all of our like bubbling pop girls who are like they have their hits but they're not like a duo where it's like it's our bubbling unders yeah like no one would dare to do it to those girls so they did it to our girls when that's so evil well you know what was fucked up was like there was this idea that like, oh, it's just fans getting too excited and like doing things. That's giving but, people so much credit. But, and, and then I was like, no, actually, no. And Kelsey Ballerini actually posted some screenshots of people in her comments being like, that's what you get for going woke. You think and hers was targeted? Oh my God. I think so. I believe that. I mean, people were commenting saying it. And that even if those instances were not targeted, even if it was a, a stupid fan like being like, let me throw this bracelet on stage because I want her to have it. It gives people the idea yeah. to throw something. I'm nervous for Marin Morris with Me that too. in mind. I'm like, they're going after the country girls and she is the wokest of them all. I mean, listen, it's it's just like getting scarier and scarier, especially when you see it happen to four of the girls. That is a lot. Like, that's crazy. And then the mother's ashes of it all, it's like, Diva, And I remember days, days after the BB Rexa throwing thing was the clip of when someone like came out in front of her to their mm-hmm, mom. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And what's crazy about that clip is like, he says like, I'm going to do this in front of you. And she literally goes, what are you going to do in front of me? Yeah. Fear. Yeah. She's scared now. Yeah. Because also be it's honest, like, me too. Th- that could have been anything. If a gay person ever says, I'm going to do this in front of you, I'm running. I'm out of here. I'm taking off my little kit and he's Because let me tell pumping. you something, I've been fooled before. <laughs> I'm going to do this in front of you could mean a lot of things. Yeah. Also, it's just like, as someone who I guarantee there's people out there that want to throw things at me. It I makes would, me nervous. I would, throw, I would throw fun things at you. Listen, throw a Rosie O'Donnell Koosh ball at me anytime. Can... That was right there in your brain. Yeah. You were really ready to say that. I thought of what's soft, and the first thing <laughs> that jumped O'Donnell. out in my fucking little gay brain was Rosie O'Donnell Koosh ball. You got a lot of weird things just like on the tip of your tongue ready to go. I think that's what makes me a dynamic podcast host. Okay. Well, listen, um, okay. if you I think like that's stuff. true, I, and I really do hope that everyone still remained listening to this podcast because it's been a thrilling one. Dolly's um, still listening. I know that much. I think Dolly. She almost clicked out when we started to almost read her for Dollywood, but we I just came back. think they're so funny. Yeah. I love my gay fans. And that was my Dolly Parton, which is, as you just evidenced by my uh, impression, will not be my Snatch game. Well, Still you're too busy being on the other side of Snatch Game. <laughs> Not to compliment you for too much for that. Wait, actually, I have to pause for one second. <laughs> was the lip sync your idea, or did that get suggested to y'all? No. So what happens is, you, oh, you mean the lip sync that we did during the Snatch yes. Game? Yes. No, they were like, and uh, we think it would be funny if you guys did the Red You Wrote You lip sync, the entire Roxy Andrews verse. So they were we, right. we did the entire Roxy Andrews verse and the chorus, and they actually only showed the chorus, which to me was like, Sort of the antithesis of why I wanted to do it because I was like, what's so funny is that we're doing the Roxy verse. And I was so happy that any of that made it in there at all. But we actually gave and had choreo for the entire Roxy Andrews verse. And that's what was left on the cutting room. How long did they? It was their idea. How long did they give you to prep this? We did it once. Wow. We got it in one take, but they told us. Those are my girls. Because, you know, they show up in the professionals. Yes. 
but they gave us all day and I'm like dying. Oh like God. truly my stomach is dying. And then yeah. we went out there and we did turn it. But yeah, that's the sort that's of That's how I feel right now doing I Don't Think So, Honey. Like, I'm genuinely shaking. I'm scared. Don't be scared because you're made for this. Okay, and I, I, made, I to... mean made for this in a macro sense and made from this in a micro sense. You were okay. made for this. I do have Tiger Balm in my bag, so if I start panicking and I grab it, just know it's because I've waited my whole life for this moment. Anyway. This is Miss Benny's I Don't Think So, Honey. Your time starts now. I Don't Think So, Honey. Social media changing and evolving right now. <laughs> We've complained for years about the chronological changes, the ad changes. I don't give a fuck. Show me the ads. Let me see Porsche's wardrobe from the White Lotus. Come I on. don't care. What I don't like is that we're changing limits. We're oh. adding word counts. Mm. Elon Musk, you sis, sissy, and I am saying that as a slur in your case. <laughs> I cannot handle it. I miss the days when every social media platform had its own designated thing. I am tired of doing Twitter on Instagram. I am tired of doing YouTube clips, TikToks, Reels. I'm sick of it. I'm a child of the internet and I have grown up. Yes. I am tired and um, you can also follow me <laughs> on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok. 15 seconds has became a plug. Miss Betty! <laughs> and on TikTok, I'm, I hate Miss Betty because somebody took Miss Betty and I'm sick of that too. Five seconds. And I can't do it and that's one minute. Oh my God. See, the thing is, I love when you start at an eight yeah. and it goes to a 15 and that's levels. And the best part about this is I am overheating and I'm in the middle of doing like vocal feminization and that undid everything <laughs> that I've worked on. I'm really sorry. No, it's okay. Listen, but the thing Pride's is- over. Like, we don't have to take care of trans people right now. Someone brought up online. <laughs> exactly. It's like back to the- Back to the- Back in the show. What if I have been like, I don't think so, honey, more than two genders. <laughs> like me to have that take all of a sudden. The binary is alive suddenly. Oh my god! Um, no, I, someone said the other day they were like, "Can you imagine the election like with all these fucking rules in place? Like, can you imagine oh like god. when like we actually need to be able to share? Because it's like, first of all, can I just say, how about this as an idea for a social media website? Why don't you put someone in charge who has even one iota of what it means to have any social grace at all? This is very clearly someone yeah. deeply without any social skills at all. Give Bretman Rock ownership of Twitter. Period. And that's what I've always said. You've always <laughs> been saying that. You came in saying it before you said hello. And I didn't know if I should say it on the pod, but I'm here to say it now. I mean, this we'd be in better hands. It's just like, this yeah. is so poorly thought out. And the way that he kept being like, actually, it's 8,000 that you can see. Actually, it's 10. He's it's so like, crazy. bitch, like, ask someone smarter than you. And, like, I get it. They want people to pay for the verification, but, like, oh, mama, poor. we're not paying for the verification. How long do you think it has? I don't know. I feel like, <sighs> here's the thing. Twitter used to always be my favorite, and I remember it was always on the brink of, like, going away. And I feel like now, more than ever, it feels like it is truly minutes away from it, which breaks my heart because I love Twitter, and I miss good old Twitter. You know, it's like... When Twitter was a fun place, I really did like it. Then Twitter became an unfun place for all the, you know, reasons, which is just like, you know, you can't go on there without like someone being negative immediately. Right. Everything, nothing translates. Like, you know, that's almost like why I don't have the personal Twitter anymore. I just use the Lost Coach Twitter. I feel mm -hmm. like I get my like opinions and things across like on this podcast and you can literally hear a human voice like right. hint at a joke or like, you know, do say whatever the fuck or like give some gray area that's not limited to characters. But it's like. Twitter could be such a fun little stupid place. I know. And it's so toxic and so dark. And now with these limitations, it's actually going to make it even 
harder to communicate yeah because it's just going to take context away it's going to take expanse away it's going to like literally limit the amount of intake we can have which should be the antithesis of something like a social media website where like everyone can get their voice across and that's why it's good it used to be the first thing that i checked in the morning i would literally go to twitter and be like okay what's happening what's new what's like going on in the world and now i'm like you can't trust it for that and also And this is where I start to empathize with like a little bit of the boomer idea of like, why do things have to change? But yeah, truly, like, I feel like the golden era of social media was when we were able to live tweet things. Yeah. But that's like been a dead concept for so long. Yeah, because because that's not how things appear in the algorithm. Yeah, it's like I could tweet it. It would be completely out of order. And then I also feel like it was so fun because you used to be able to like access the famous people that you liked or if you're mm. watching a reality TV show like you could tweet Tyra Banks and she would respond and now yeah. it's like that's not happening so then it's like what is this for now? The way that I've moved over to Instagram like exclusively yeah. has been pretty wild because there's also the flaws of Instagram you know what I mean? There's the thing of like of oh it's like constantly like a visual parade of like the perfected versions of everyone like yeah. no one's actually being real like it's, it's also not as fun as it used to be anymore then there comes this thing of like when you do get verified and are a public figure there's like all these other things that go into that and like etc blah 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 you feel like heady about it but at least I feel like if I want to find what someone is doing or saying, I know how to do it. Right. Whereas like Twitter just feels like a jumbled mess. It, it has the same like... People that you don't even follow you're seeing, yeah. which is what I hate. It has the same interface idea as like scruff. Have you ever... <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm unfortunately like I've never dipped my toe into scruff. I've kind of only exclusively been a grinder girl and I rarely honest, even use I've, that. I've downloaded both before to try them both and I've just tried them both. Like I just trying to I try do, it all. I've just tried Trisexual. Yeah. Um I'll try anything twice. <laughs> Some case um, Samantha Jones. Oh my god. When you're sucking his balls. Um <laughs> I no, and I the thing about scruff that always blew my mind, because that's what we're talking about now, is I <laughs> it has like really I think a better selection of men in your singles in your area, but <laughs> the interface is absolutely batshit. And yeah. that's how Twitter is becoming. Yeah. Twitter is the scruff to Instagram's grinder. And if there were one soundbite that I hope you take from this, I hope it's Well, that. that's gonna be People magazine. That's gonna be the poll. Hello. <laughs> like last week we did that episode with Kelly, and what the media chose to pull was Kelly Clarkson opens up about antidepressant use. Love that. And for you it's gonna be that, that I, scruff is the Instagram to Grinders Twitter. Uh-huh. I'm so brave for coming out and saying that. You've been brave this whole time. And I want to just really commend you. And I want to say I appreciate you and adore you for showing up in oh your God. brave truth on Los Culturistas <laughs> to speak real <laughs> truths to power about the fucking pop culture landscape, about <laughs> app landscape. I do love that I've come on here and said nothing about anything to do with transitioning, but said everything about being a top model fan, being on the app. <laughs> That's Lost Coach, baby. That is. Listen, we're here. And to be honest, all of those things point to transitioning. I'm here to tell you right now that if you watch Top Model as a kid and want to be one of the girls, your day is coming. <laughs> well, it, just to touch on that, I was so proud of you about the Time Magazine thing. Thank and you. That, you, that was beautiful. And we're talking about, you know, representation and like throwing it all the way back to, you know, the glee of it all. And I would <laughs> say like, what a beautiful and what a lovely evolving world we are in that the youth and the kids can watch glamorous and see you you're such a star i'm so proud of you and i'm so proud to know you i'm so proud to be a part of the project that has you as the star of it 
Glamorous is streaming now on Netflix. You can watch all the episodes. Listen to the EP Swelter because we didn't get into it, but our girl is also a recording artist. And I'm also gagged that you wrote and produced this yourself. Yeah. That's crazy. amazing. Thank bitch. you so much. And I'm just like so blown away by you and you have to come back. But Anytime. when when Bowen is back, I want us all three to rah-rah because like you're... And I'm building this story that me and Bowen have beef and that's why he's not here today. Exactly. So I can't wait to like further develop that. Well, as a result of the beef, Bowen needed to take a... <laughs> Extended hiatus from the podcast. And I want to say that I'm also just so busy flying, shooting Wicked and shooting (laughs) SNL and coming to LA to do my podcast. Like, I totally sympathize. And um, it's hard when you're this booked like me and Bowen. Blessings to all. And Miss Benny's the moment. And we do end every episode with a song. Okay. We're flying first class <laughs> up in the sky, drinking champagne, living life in the fast lane. I don't know what vocal choice this is, I know. but I won't change by the glamorous. Ooh, the flousy, flousy. If you want to hear that song, listen to Fergie's album, The Duchess, or yeah. go on the roller coaster Hollywood Rip Ride Rocket in Universal Studios, Florida, where you're allowed to choose a song as you ride on the roller coaster, and that is one of the options. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Bean Dad, The Dress, 30 to 50 Feral Hogs. If you knew what any of those were, you spend too much time online. And hey, I do too. 16th Minute of Fame is a new weekly podcast hosted by me, Jamie Loftus. And every week we take a closer look at an internet character of the day. Who are they? What made them so notorious? How did the internet or the algorithm choose them? And what does a person do when they're suddenly confronted with more attention than the human psyche can handle? Listen to 16th Minute of Fame on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Black Effect presents Family Therapy, and I'm your host, Elliot Connie. Jay is the woman in this dynamic who is currently co-parenting two young boys with her former partner, David. David, he is a leader. He just don't want to leave me. But how do you lead a woman? How do you lead in a relationship? Like, what's the blueprint? David, you just asked the most important question. Listen to Family Therapy on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.